the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back. As we head into Hour 3, we are delighted to be able to do so with Brandon Weikert. Brandon J. Weikert is with us most Monday afternoons. He is the author of Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, The Shadow War, Iran's Quest for Supremacy, and most recently, Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life, where he's getting interviewed everywhere and i couldn't look. yeah you are aren't you um it's been a busy month for you yes blessedly slow blessedly so it's a uh, it's a good problem to have being overbooked yes yes well you're 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 overbooked in another sense you you just produce a lot of them and you, yes and i, I think do. you got like five in the pipeline don't you something I've like got, that i've got about five manuscripts yeah. uh never enough publishers or time yeah. to finish them yeah so but but yes i am currently um yeah there's about three manuscripts that are really in a very good stage of development right now good um so yeah i'm very lucky to be uh I, i'm striking while the iron is hot as they say. Well, the, ju- the 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 only rule that applies is that your first interview on publication date always has to be with me. Always. It, it tends to work out that way, actually, because books does. come out on Tuesday, so we get you yes. on. Yeah, right. That's, yes, yes. <laughs> we, I, we colluded on that many years ago. <laughs> we'll get to collusion. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll get to collusion. I, 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 I got to get your take on... Um, what transpired over the weekend, uh, and I'll, and I'll, I'll tell you how I started my 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 show today a few hours, a couple hours ago, Brandon. Straighten out wherever I'm wrong. Use it as a launching pad. Whatever you want. I'll just tell you that I said um, uh, there's a ton of attention that's put on Russia this weekend and the incipient coup against Vladimir Putin. The analysis is and probably should be all over the place. Does it does it show Putin's vulnerabilities and weaknesses and lack of support that it commenced? That's one read. Or does it show he's as strong as ever and that he ended it without firing a shot? Or is there a third, fourth, fifth option? I don't know what we should think. What do you think? Um, you know, I, I've. I have no idea, and here's why. Um, it's a hard this, country to understand. Well, it's not even that. I mean, I do know Russia pretty well. The fact of the matter is, though, this particular conflict, the, the one over Ukraine, both our side and the Russian side have so thoroughly flooded the zone with disinformation that I don't even think it really matters anymore to try to even divine what's going on. And the reason I say that is because... Um, you know, ultimately, what was the end result? The right. end result is, is nothing has changed. Right. right. The Ukrainian, you know, the Ukrainian counteroffensive, that much ballyhooed counteroffensive, has gone nowhere fast. Even with this this change in the, the Wagner group, there's there's nothing that's, there's, that you would think that would give them the, the opportunity that they needed to exploit. And there's been no real movement from the Ukrainian side, I think, because they're really depleted. Um, and meanwhile... Uh, the Russians, I mean, every day for two years now, there's been this drumbeat in Western media about 
Putin's days are numbered. Right. They're coming to an end. Right. Walls are like, closing in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like I'm I'm over it, to be honest with you. And so on Twitter, you know, I'm, I got into a, uh, a, a somebody I have a lot of respect for as a guy named Chuck DeVore, but he's been basically calling me every name in the book on this issue uh, because I I dared to make the insinuation that it's a little strange 24 hours after the Pentagon basically found $6.2 billion for the Ukraine aid that suddenly, 24 hours later, the world's greatest mercenary, Pergozin, and his Wagner group change sides and ostensibly go on a merry chase into the heart of, of Russia only to you know, suddenly reverse course, and now they're not doing what they were going to do. Um, and it was speculation on my part. But frankly, um, I, you know, there's been speculation on the part of the U.S. government since the beginning of this war that, oh, Putin's coming to an end. Oh, the, the Ukrainians are going to have a beautiful, quick win. So frankly, everybody's been speculating, and I got in on the action. And, and the, the bottom line is, though, what has really changed here for anybody Nothing. Nothing has changed. The war is exactly where it was three days ago. And, um, you know, I say that as somebody who supports Ukraine, but at some point we need to come to terms with the fact that this war is not going the way our leaders told us it would go, and certainly not the way Ukraine's leaders told them it would go. It's not going necessarily the way the Russians said it would go either, but the way I look at it is the Russians are still basically holding eastern Ukraine and Crimea so therefore, the Russians, by default, are winning. Brandon, I, I, I agree with everything you, you, you've said. And I, and I recall, too, that there was all this talk about Putin being subject or uh, susceptible to vulnerable to a coup, an inner palace coup, a, pal- a palace coup. And it turns out none of that has ever materialized with all the years we've been talking about it or hearing people yeah. talk about it. The Wagner Group, who knows what its motivations were? Um, one of them that was speculated was that they were just tired of being used as 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 as, as ground meat in the war right. in Ukraine, and they were the they were the, the the you know the toughest of the or I guess the front fighting force there. So I mean, all, all of it to me. It ends up where you end up. Nothing has changed, um, and it could mean Putin is as powerful as ever in the sense that you know these guys stopped. You know, without yeah. without <laughs> there was no well, blood, the, the, <laughs> there the was report, no shot. The, you know, yeah, and you're right. And Seth, the report was that Putin wasn't even directing the response. Right, and he was moved to a bunker, and it was um, uh, Patrushev, right. the head of the, the intelligence right. service. So, and now, by the way, all of these brilliant people on Twitter who've been saying, Brandon, you're just pro-Russian because you don't agree that Putin's days are numbered. Well, those are the same people. Those are the same people who were telling us that if Patrushev ever gets a little power, look out for Putin because Putin's done for. Well, Patrushev apparently had all the power to resolve this thing, and he negotiated a settlement that was favorable to Putin rather than Prigozhin. So, you know, honestly... Um, all of these guys are wrong. All of the military Twitter guys are wrong. They have been wrong from the start. Nothing has changed. The Russians are not losing. They may not be winning either, but you could say the same thing about the Americans in Afghanistan and Iraq. We neither won nor lost. And it doesn't really matter. The fact of the matter is we remain a world power. Russia. Russia may, may not be winning, but they're probably not losing Ukraine either. 
They still hold the territory that they've held since 2014, and they don't seem to, to be losing it anytime soon. Furthermore, they're still a world power. So this whole thing is such a waste. This is just Washington chasing its own tail, wasting time and resources on what's really a sideshow in Ukraine when the big fights are, as you know, my book on Iran, you know, the shadow yep. war. Yep. That's the big, the big threat here, coupled with the long-term threat of China. I those are two issues. Yeah, I want to connect those dots and that axis in a minute. Uh, but one more question on the Putin thing and these people who are mad at you for not wishing Putin gone. You know, that's different from expecting he'll be gone. But then there's this other question that abides as well, and that is this. Just getting rid of Putin may not yield something better, Brandon. No, and, and I don't know no. why we've taken leave of all sense not to understand that either. So Ru- Russia is the land who venerates a man named Ivan the Terrible. Right, right. This is not a group of people who are going to put good little Democrats in charge. Right, right. The closest they came to doing that was the drunkard Boris Yeltsin. Yeah, yeah. So, like, this is not a country that's going to suddenly become good liberal Democrats. It's not going to happen. Something worse is going to happen from Putin. Putin will look like a, 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 you know, a desirable leader compared to the one that follows him. And there's another issue here also. The same people... The same people who got us into Iraq, the same people who got us into Afghanistan or failed in Afghanistan, who got us into Libya, who destabilized Syria. These are the same people telling us Ukraine's going to be a cakewalk. It's not. This thing is very dangerous. And, and I support. And by the way, we were told that we were supporting Ukraine's independence, which I think is what most Americans support. Not this idea of regime change in Russia. Because that is a very different mission, and that is a very more dangerous to us prospect. And that is actually, I think, what the real goal of our involvement with Ukraine has been. It has never been about Ukraine's sovereignty. It has always been about using Ukraine as a vehicle to do some kind of surreptitious overthrow of Vladimir Putin. I don't say this as somebody who loves Vladimir Putin. I am not pro-Putin. But I say this to somebody who recognizes America has bigger strategic fish to fry. We don't have a lot of resources to play with right now. Our politics at home are a disaster. We've got a broken southwestern border. Uh, China's exploiting, exploiting every weakness possible. Iran's getting ready to go to nuclear war in, in, in the Middle East. And we're poking this, this Russian bear over an issue that really doesn't affect us directly in Ukraine. So we should be preserving Ukraine's sovereignty as best we can, but we should not be overcommitting, which is what we're doing. And we don't know what comes next after Putin to boot. Add that to the litany. All right, let's pick up on some of that litany when we come right back. Brandon Weikert is our guest. Follow him on Twitter at WeTheBrandon, W-E, The Brandon. He is the author most recently of Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life. I'm trying to remember, was it, Brandon, you had a post on Twitter I read either today or yesterday. I think it was something from Edward Lutvak about Russia. Yes, something about, distill this for us, there's something about Russia and it, it had to do with the interplay with keeping a certain yeah. level of the Chinese at bay, too, right? Yes, okay. yes. So what, what, Ed, what Ed said, and, and Ed is brilliant, uh, what, what he had said was, and I'm paraphrasing, I don't have the tweet in front of me, but, right. but he was paraphrasing that 
you know, there is that Russia is basically uh, two parts. The, for the right. one part is the part that's a threat to the West, a threat right. to us. The other part is the part that contains the China threat. Okay. And we need to be very, very careful that in resisting the part that's a threat to the West, we don't overcompensate and end up weakening the part of Russia that is a containment to China's rise. And what I was talking about in the previous segment, what I have been debating with, with Chuck DeVore, who, again, I have an immense amount of respect for, uh, it's very unfortunate that he, he's, he doesn't, you know, he's very, he doesn't like what I'm saying. Um, what, but what I have been saying, though, is what Ed Lutwak has been saying, which is, of course, Russia's a threat. My first book, Winning Space, the first chapters are all about not China, but Russia as a threat. Of course they're a threat. But what degree of threat are they? That's the issue. We're talking about gradations here, at least when you're talking to me. Uh, and the, the, the gradation of threat is not as significant as China. And right now, I would argue, not as significant to us as Iran. And we need to really be able to prioritize here, and we're not. And that's what Lutwak was getting at. I gotcha. It's it's an interesting way to frame things because it raises one. If I can stay on this one more one more second yeah. with you, or yeah, I was listening to an interview uh, with Vivek Ramaswamy this morning on the Hugh Hewitt mm-hmm. show, and I and I don't know if he has this right or not, but I knew I wanted to run it by you. And his his view, and and I I do think some of his foreign policy views are very questionable, but but. This was such an interesting take. I knew I just had to filter it through you. He said that we should be using Russia against China, which is our biggest threat, the way Nixon used China against Russia, which at the time was our bigger threat. So that the posi- his position was China and Russia have changed since – have reversed roles. China's now the bigger. Russia's the smaller. And we should be using Russia to contain China the way Nixon Kissinger thought we could use China uh, to uh, to uh, to check Russia. And I, I wonder right. if there's anything to that or if that's just too simplistic. I thought it was interesting and worth raising. With no, you no. Um, but that was basically the Trump administration's pot that they were trying to go for okay. from the, the campaign until the Helsinki conference in 2018. Okay. Uh, the, the fact of the matter is that, in, in principle, yes, that's exactly right. Um, of course, how far we can get with that, I don't know, especially now after... We've, yeah, we, I mean, we've allied them. You know, We're not an, ally, an yeah, alliance yes, with either of them. Key. Yeah, right. That's the key, <laughs> yeah. is that, yeah. we, that China and Russia are not natural allies. Right. That they are longtime historical foes that have been brought together, in the case of Russia, because of America's obsession, the Democratic Party in particular, and the neoconservative obsession with breaking Russia up into its constituent parts, which is insane. It is an insane vision that if it ever did come to pass, which it won't, if it ever did come to pass, we'd be turning in the uh, nuclear-armed Russia into basically the Balkans in the 1990s and hoping that everything worked out, which, of course, it won't. And so, uh, you know, Vivek, I don't know much about him. I don't really pay attention to anybody other than the top two contenders of the GOP, which is uh, DeSantis and Trump. So I don't really know the details of his foreign policy. But if that's what he's saying, in theory, he's correct. The question is how how much can we get out of Russia now that we have so totally pushed them into China's waiting arms? 
I don't know. Yeah, all right. So that is a nice segue, actually, to that point you wanted to get to in the litany, which is China, Iran, then Russia. And we yeah. have we have kind of united all three. I mean, those three are in in its in their own way a great triumvirate, aren't they? I mean, the three of them to, are, have been linked together over various over various uh, years here, and I think in large part because we've shown them that it would be valuable for them to do so at our own peril. Yeah, they're linked unlike ever before. Yeah. So they always flirted with each other, but the. There were internal, there were contradictions uh, between the three powers that prevented them from forming a real concert of powers. But now those contradictions are being flattened uh, because of what those three powers believe to be uh, the the hostility from the United States. Um, and that's not to say that that I'm trying to justify what they're doing. I'm not, but I am very. I'm somebody who does make a point of putting myself in the enemy's shoes and seeing... Well, you have to know what their the self-interest is. You have to. Right. And right. So, right. And so you have now a real consolidation of those three powers. Iran is the junior partner for sure. Um, but you, you now have a real consolidation there. And that's a real concern. Um, and it's going to get worse because the Americans, first of all, the Americans have the wrong policy in Ukraine. Uh, they have the wrong policy in the Middle East where they're handing the region over to Iran and therefore China and Russia. And they have the wrong policy the Biden administration does in China with China, which is to basically beat our chest at China and yell at them all the time, forcing them into a defensive posture, but then doing nothing in the real world to actually shore up our ability to threaten China. So it's the worst of both worlds where we're poking them and we're not actually beefing up our military to actually do anything to stop them from attacking our our allies in the region. So we've got all the worst possible policies in place with the three big baddies and it's forcing them like the uh, you know the what is it the the, the in, injustice league it's forcing <laughs> these three baddies that normally don't like each other or trust each other forcing them into a really serious alliance. And by the way, they're not only just the three of them, they're bringing with them countries like Venezuela and Cuba and North Korea. And oh, by the way, now they're bringing the Saudis and the Sunnis uh, with them and also NATO ally or excuse me, NATO member Turkey. So now you have a real, a real division going on in the world between anti-American autocracy uh, or the global south uh, versus the American-led global north or western world slash democracies. And this is all being driven in large part by U.S., by short-sighted U.S. policy. I just I just don't even know how we can look ourselves in the mirror when you understand the point you just made and the alliances you just uh, you, you just identified. I don't even understand how we can look ourselves in the mirror and call ourselves a superpower anymore. What you have what you have outlined is the toxic confluence of the world's worst and most potent forces now aligned together and against us. I got to take a quick break. If I said it too strongly, Brandon, you can uh, you can countermand it when we come right back. I'm Seth Liebson. He's Brandon Weikert, uh, senior editor. I should also mention at uh, 1945.com, a really smart website. 1945.com. Uh, Brandon Weikert and I will be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Brandon Weichert is my guest. He spells his last name W-E-I-C-H-E-R-T. Uh, he and I put our E's and the I's in the same places. He just pronounces it correctly. Uh, Brandon, um, I was making this point about a week ago that if you think back to the internal liberal uh, condemnation, the internal liberal domestic um, argument against the United States, it being an imperial force, it being you know too strong, it being uh, jingoistic. It was that we were pushing not just big guys around; we were pushing little guys around. And it's making the point you you kind of look at the the way things have been going around here. Not only are we not pushing big guys or little guys around, big guys and little guys seem to be pushing us around lately. Well, and they well they're able to do that because they're rallying together. They're setting aside their differences and they're working together so that they form one big blob, uh, you know, that will just use mass to basically overcome America. This was uh, you know a real nightmare scenario that U.S. Pl- war planners during the Second World War were concerned was going to happen. That there was a real belief at one point. Stephen Ambrose wrote about this in one of his books. Books. There was a real concern at one point that Hitler was going to not only stay allied with the Soviet Union, but was going to link the Soviet Union-Hitler pact with Japan, mm-hmm. and that would have been a real killer uh, alliance uh, to go against the big American juggernaut in, in the Western Hemisphere. But that kind of alliance would have been enough, probably, with the resource and the military power uh, of Eurasia combined, probably could have defeated the United States uh, industrial power at that time. Well, now, and thankfully it didn't happen that way, but now it looks like our enemies have learned from history, and it looks like Beijing is really rallying this alliance of autocrats together. Um, and in the case of countries like Turkey and Russia, it seems like we are pushing these regimes into Beijing's waiting arms, at least in part, with our short-sighted policies. With Turkey, uh, you know, a lot of the problems with Turkey were avoidable that we sort of exacerbated going back to the Obama administration when we were fighting them on giving them, frankly, what they were owed, which were Patriot missiles. Um, Then there's a whole history there. And then with Russia, as we talked about before, not that Russia was ever going to be our great ally, but they didn't have to be our great enemy. Um, You know, they have a lot of problems with China going back hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, and yet we have done something that very few people have been able to do. We have gotten Russia and China to set aside their historical hatred and to begin to really work together, and in so doing, like a magnet, attract other anti-American regimes and other regimes that have disagreements with us. So, you know, we are not thinking the way that we, we should be thinking, which is we should be looking at, for instance, Russia saying, how do we break away Russia from China? How do we get them to at least, if not be an ally, then to at least be a neutral party in our ongoing conflict with China, which is very real. Um, and, and we're not thinking like that anymore. And we don't have strategists of that caliber anymore uh, in D.C. It's all this moralizing, virtue signaling, making everybody feel good without realizing that there were real consequences to the words and actions, or lack thereof in some cases, of U.S. foreign policymakers. 
Yeah, I, I, I take that point and I take it uh, – let's just take uh, – stay on China for a second. You know, uh, the idea that they were putting a base in Cuba would have in a better age, in an earlier age not that long ago, our you know, when our parents would have been our age, uh, this would have been news for weeks and weeks on end and the subject of debate after debate at, at the UN. It might have even affected DEFCON, the DEFCON system. Well, And we just yeah. – we just, we're just, you know, whistling past the graveyard here as if there's nothing to see. Well, and, and remember, not only DEFCON changes, but we almost went to nuclear yeah, war over yeah, the Soviets right, doing the same. Right. We were 12 days away right. from nuclear warfare. I mean, if everybody should read Sorensen's uh, history of living through the Kennedy White House during the Cuban Missile Crisis. People don't realize how close we were to nuclear conflict over this very issue. Yeah, right. A foreign power placing military forces. A former enemy forward. communist power. Right, a, a foreign right. enemy communist power. Yeah, yeah right. exactly. As if the Monroe Doctrine is just dead. Well, it doesn't matter anymore to the right. Biden. The, the Democrats just don't believe matter. in it because it's imperialistic. Of course it is. Of course it is. Want to do some domestic stuff when we Happily. come back? Brandon Happily. Weikert is my guest. He and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Brandon Weikert has been our guest this hour, generous with his time and his brain. His most recent book, Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life. You can follow him on Twitter at WeTheBrandon. You can read his uh, his material where he is a senior editor at 1945, 1945.com. Actually, it's a piece I think you just might have published just like before the show, uh, possibly, uh, that I wanted to talk to you about having to do with the Hunter Biden scandal. Am I right about the timing of that? Did you maybe just publish yeah, that a little I, you, I am in a constant stream of writing, so I'm sure that I don't actually publish it. They do. Yeah. So I submit it, and then it's in God's hands as to when it appears. Uh-huh. So. God, God, God being the editor at 1945 in our fallen theology that we live through today. <laughs> uh, Brandon, it does stink. And, and, yeah. and there's something about these whistleblowers now that really feels a little bit different. You know, we saw the James Comer press conference uh, maybe a month ago. We've seen some hearings out of the Jordan Committee uh, at Judiciary, and nothing seemed exactly watertight. This feels like it might be. This feels different. Well, well, it does, but I think it's important to note the reason it doesn't seem watertight is because the the people charged with investigating and submitting evidence to Congress have been covering up and obfuscating, as these whistleblowers at the IRS are saying. And it's important to note, as Jonathan Turley, I noted he said in the article, uh, Jonathan Turley, the great law professor at George Washington University, uh, who's a legend in the legal community, uh, he said that, you know, it looks like at least half of the accusations against Hunter Biden are true. Mm-hmm. And the reason he said it like that is because the IRS whistleblowers are under oath yeah. when they are saying these things, yeah. which means they could go to jail for a long right. time if they're lying or exaggerating. Right. They are not. And the one whistleblower is a very senior guy in the IRS who has everything to lose by coming out. And not only that. 
putting his name out there. Right. And that's how much he believes yeah. this, and he has obvious evidence to present. So the stuff about Hunter Biden, I would argue, is not just half true. It's 100% true. And I will put my reputation on the line and say that whether they can determine it or not, I am convinced that Hunter Biden was a conduit for the real, uh, I dare use the word, brains, but the mastermind of the, con- of the, of the whole uh, conspiracy, Joe Biden, and probably his wife was involved too, Jill, uh, doctor, um, and I think that Joe Biden is the real, the real mastermind of this decades-long criminal conspiracy to leverage Joe Biden's political offices throughout the years uh, to get gobs of money from malign uh, foreign governments like that of China's, as well as multinational corporations. And it was a big influence peddling scheme, and God knows what secrets and what, what kind of policies have been given to our enemies because Joe Biden was paid to give them through his son. Um, and so that, I mean, I believe that the Hunter Biden thing is the, it's the worst, it's the worst level of corruption that we have ever been exposed to. And of course, our media and now apparently our investigative agencies, at least in the federal branch, to the executive branch, uh, are covering up and obfuscating because God help them if Joe Biden goes down. That's a very, very scary thing to, to position that we're in right now. Yeah, no, it, it, it most certainly is. And and do you have a sense? I mean, I'm always skeptical of the prediction that the media is finally on the case, but they do seem, at least based on press uh, in uh, press questioning of Karin Jean Pierre, they do seem a little more animated on this one than they have in the past. I'll go that far. They seem more animated on this than other scandals. They have to be because at the end of the day, Hunter Biden has now pled guilty uh, to these tax evasion charges. He is, I mean, it is obvious to anyone that he is doing things illegally. Um, And so they have to put on a show. But do I think this is going to go anywhere? I I hope I'm wrong, but no, I don't think that's going to go anywhere in the mainstream press. And I'll go one more further. I'm at this point now, because of how corrupt the whole process has proven to be, uh, I don't even think anything will come of these investigations because the FBI and DOJ and IRS are basically covering up through Hunter Biden, knowing that if they don't cover up for him, their boss, Joe Biden, will probably go down as well. And that'll empower the very Republican forces that these, these entities within our government are opposed to. Uh, and so my concern, and, and we need to keep digging, though. I mean, well, not helping. only do we need to keep digging, Brandon, try this on for size. We need to keep publicizing and pushing on this because the truth That's is what pe- I'm doing. people think this is a foregone deal. It's been agreed to by Biden and, and, and DOJ or the U.S. attorney, David Weiss, is that his name? It has not yeah. been agreed to by the federal judge just yet. That's now, right. Now, That's right. Uh, you know, there is a possibility the judge could there say is. this is unacceptable. Well, the and court. Look, Seth, Seth, there's a possibility that, that by the grace of God, we are able to catch Hunter, even though all of the evidence is being covered up. But I do think there's still the chance that, that the Republicans, if they keep at it, they will manage to. We only have to get it right once. Yeah. Okay, because there's so many things against Hunter. We only have to get one of these things through. 
and then the whole thing comes down like a house of cards. Yeah. So that's the key thing. And that's why Joe Biden is panicking right now and his family, because they know that that Hunter has got so much, you know, bad news out there yeah. that if the Republicans get a hold of one of these things and they can pull hard enough, the whole thing comes crashing down around yeah. their ears. The issue is, can it happen before the election takes place? Yeah. That's yeah. the key. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that 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 is the key, and 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 there are steps along the way, of course, and steps that I I, I think. But I'm not going to stop reporting on no, it and writing on it. No, please don't, please don't, and don't stop coming on this show. Don't stop Never. being my friend. Thank you, Brandon Weikert. Thank yeah. you, sir. You're the best. Brandon <laughs> Weikert has been our guest. You betcha. You can follow him on Twitter at we, the Brandon we, the the collective, the royal we. And um, his most recent book, Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life. I'll be right back. Folks, you think about the economy with recession talk, with the stock market's volatility, with um, inflation, with bank failures. You ask yourself, where, where do you go to, uh, to invest? Uh, Y-Refi has an answer. They have an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed. It's a portfolio where you can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you like, with no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. There are no fees in the secure collateralized portfolio from Y-Refi, and Y-Refi is based here locally. I encourage you to stop by their offices on Scottsdale Road in the 101 been there and i can tell you that you will not get a sales pitch and no one's going to ask you to sign anything and when you meet with the team at y refi you'll see why i trust and like them so much and you can as well y refi is a due diligence approved firm where you can earn up to a 10 and a quarter percent rate of return that's right a 10.25 percent fixed rate of return check them out at investyrefi.com that's invest the letter y then refy.com or give them a call at 888-Y-REFI-34. That's 888-Y-REFI-34. Um, I often, you know, when I think about is the press is the press finally going to do their job here, uh, I, I, a lot of people use the construction, well, when you've lost the New York Times or the CNN White House reporter. It never lasts that long, which is why we have to keep at it and shame them into covering these things. Um, I often will cite Shakespeare, don't trouble the poor with begging. It's, it's Coriolanus. "'Twas never my desire yet to trouble the poor with begging," meaning don't ask uh, of someone something they, they don't have. And, um, and, and, and that is what it is when we think the mainstream press, mainstream press uh, might do something that will benefit us. Go back to my monologue today. They won't. They will pull back just in time. They will put on the brakes or ease up on the accelerator just when it matters most, if in the service of ensuring that Republicans never see the light of day of leadership, which is also why we can't ever let up. Um, There's a great Oliver Wendell Holmes quote in the back of my head, which is not coming to mind right now it's uh it's the um the uh something to the effect of the uh results are the inevitable result of effort result is the inevitable result of effort 
So keep it up. Keep at it. I'm glad Brandon's going to stay on the story. We all continue to stay on the story. And when you think about levels of corruption and levels of tyranny, comparing the previous administration to this one, go back to my monologue in the first hour as well. It's not that the comparisons are cheap. It's not that the comparisons are weak. It's not even that they're in different ballparks. It's the difference between night and day. Night and day. Bless you. Until tomorrow, have a great night, and I'll see you. God bless you. Class dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.